Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023 NBA playoffs. For this one, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals here in the 2023 playoffs between, it's a rematch, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Game one finishing tonight in Boston, and it was a steal of home court advantage for the Miami Heat, and we're going to get into all of it, why I think the Celtics need to make some adjustments, why I think Joe Mazzula got outcoached tonight by Eric Spolstra, and why ultimately the second half was the deciding factor in which the Miami Heat took this game away, and Jimmy Butler being the best player on the floor, but before we get started, you already know the drill subscribe to dime dropper on all platforms youtube especially follow us on twitter instagram and tiktok at dime dropper pod and of course as i said subscribe on youtube hit the notification bell so you know every single time we go live live tonight from los angeles as always to talk about this one shout out to all my minute men and minute women out in massachusetts i am sorry not a good start to the season ladies and gentlemen i have heat and i had celtics in six before the series but you know what that seems like a little bit too much generosity towards Boston, the way they've played in this postseason and the way Miami have played. I probably should have gone Celtics in seven. And I'm I'm not going to change my pick, just I don't believe in changing picks. You can't just change the pick after the fact. So I'm going to have to stick with Celtics in six. But it's looking like if I had to choose now after game one, Celtics in seven. But let's get into the game tonight. It was a tale of two halves. The Celtics still started big, so that was one thing I was looking at. Were they going to go back to Derek White in the starting lineup, or were they going to go with the two bigs with the Time Lord and Al Horford? And they chose to stay with the Time Lord, the Time Lord and Al Horford. And you could see in this game that the two big lit, two big look will likely be limited in this series because you really needed it against a dominant post player in Embiid. And you had a non-shooter on the court. Miami, even when they start Kevin Love, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler, they don't have a non-shooter on the court. Kevin Love can hit the three ball. Gabe Vincent can hit the three ball. Max Struess can hit the three ball. The only one is Bam Adebayo. So when he's involved in the pick and roll action, you got those guys spreading the floor. It's a little harder to defend. Not like the Sixers where you can leave one guy open. So... In the beginning of the game, you started to see the Celtics switch everything. They were switching everything. They were even switching the Time Lord onto Jimmy Butler. And you started to see Jimmy Butler get into that mid-range, hit open shots. They weren't even necessarily wide open, but they felt open. He was one-on-one, but he was just getting to the spot. And that's the thing about the Time Lord. I don't think he does a good job guarding on the perimeter one-on-one. I think he's got great closeout speed. He's a great rim protector and drop coverage. But a couple of times he was on... 
Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy got right to his spot. It feels like the Time Lord doesn't put enough resistance on the ball. He doesn't press up enough. Because when you guard perimeter players, man, you're going to have to make them work a little bit. You can't just let them walk all over the court and get into their spots. As for the Celtics side, Bam Adebayo was dropping in all the pick and rolls. And yeah, the Celtics switching everything. You saw Jimmy try to go at Time Lord. And that switch was hurting the Seas. Jimmy had a great start to the game. A couple of role players from Miami were able to knock down shots early. I remember Gabe Vincent hitting a first quarter three. Caleb Martin hitting a first quarter three. And then something in the Celtics were just okay. I mean, they were missing some easy shots. They were very aggressive going to the basket. But just missing a couple of shots, they just were struggling to kind of string together stops to build any sort of momentum in that first quarter. It was neck and neck. No team led by more than five or, or even four, I think, in that first quarter. But one thing I found very interesting that Missoula did tonight was go to Peyton Pritchard as the eighth man, not Grant Williams, not Sam Hauser. We saw Peyton Pritchard play in the middle of game five against the Sixers when it looked like the Celtics just had no clue where to go and it was just kind of a panic move. But in this game, you saw Peyton Pritchard check in. And my thinking there was, so they obviously went one big, right? They would stagger Time Lord and Al. And I'm pretty sure they started the second half with both of them before they stopped doing it. So let me take a check. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So when they put in Peyton Pritchard, my, oh, I'm sorry, never mind. I think in the first lineup I'm sorry the first lineup of the third quarter never mind never mind forget everything I just said they did start with the two big lineup to start the second half just like I remembered but it was 30 to 28 after one in favor of Boston and I, I it was Jason Tatum Jalen Brown Malcolm Brogdon really leading the charge scoring wise Marcus Smart with some really nice passes but the time lord he had six points in the first quarter all three of the field goals on offensive boards so he was crashing the offensive glass and a lot of that was because Bam had to help on Miami guards getting beat off the dribble and just not able to contain at the point of attack very well so and by the way Jimmy Butler started out on Jason Tatum Gabe Vincent on Jalen Brown as for the other side Al Horford started on Jimmy Butler Al Horford, that was shocking to me. When you got Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown out there, you're starting with Al Horford on Jimmy Butler. Now, he didn't actually go at Al Horford that much one-on-one in the first quarter. He went to get the switch with the Time Lord. But it's very interesting with three all-world kind of defenders out there with Smart, Tatum, and Jalen, you don't put either of them on Jimmy to start the game. I thought that was quite peculiar from Missoula to choose that. But when Peyton Pritchard coming in, I think it was because, one, they wanted to downsize a little bit. Um, Boston to spread the floor, you know, with two bigs out there and Al Horford not necessarily shooting the three ball very well. Um, you have so basically two guys that are not hitting outside shots. If Al Horford's not hitting and the Time Lord's not going to shoot, he's not a shooter, then Missoula, I think, went with smaller guards or three guards with Brogdon, White, and Pritchard to spread the floor. But also, I think because if he was going to switch, he wanted to switch with wings and guards and not bigs because, you know, bigs aren't as mobile. So, Peyton, though, I don't think he, he really was confident. You know, it's tough putting him in a position like that. He hasn't gotten consistent playoff reps. He, Jimmy Butler, who sat out in the beginning of the second quarter, 
Um, when he came back in the game, he was looking to put Pritchard in the pick and roll a lot. And the Celtics, very similar to the Denver Nuggets in game one, were conceding the smaller guards onto the opposing team's best player switch. And that was causing all sorts of problems. So Missoula has to make major adjustments with that. He cannot just keep switching these smaller guards onto Jimmy Butler because he's not only getting to the mid-range and getting his shot up over the top, he's getting to the rim, he's attacking the offensive glass, he's drawing multiple defenders, and he's finding a bunch of shooters, and that's been the main thing with the Miami Heat this season, in this postseason, I should say. The role players have taken their game to another stratosphere. And I don't know if that's just because Jimmy Butler's playing so well and everybody's feeding off of him, or it's just a matter of these guys are just turning up in the playoffs because they're experienced. They were in the in the conference finals last year, and Eric Spolstra just knows how to get the most out of every single player on his team. I mean, Eric Spolstra, what a damn coach that guy is. But in the beginning of the second quarter, you... I'm watching this game from a Celtics fan perspective because this was a must-win game for them to me. Every home game, you know, when you're the host of a series, a must-win. And I am also, you know, I picked the Celtics. And they're the ones that have all the pressure on them. You heard before the game, Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith were saying that they don't think the Heat have much of a chance. And I absolutely think the Heat have a chance. I did pick Boston, but it's like you can't count out Jimmy Butler right now. The way he is playing in the playoffs, second only, to my, in my opinion, to the Joker. But you could make an argument from start to finish of the playoffs. or should, I shouldn't say finish because we're still doing it. But from the beginning to right now, Jimmy Butler may be playing the best basketball of any um, of anyone in the playoffs. I see a comment. Alfonso Lopez says, not playing Blake is a big mistake. No, it's not, man. Blake Griffin cannot guard anymore. That's There's no way he's going to play. June 28th, July, jokingly says, Blake would have scored 50 easy, saving him for game eight, obviously. So, in the beginning of that second quarter, the Celtics actually didn't make a big run. And that's because the Heat's bench players, mainly Caleb Martin and Kyle Lowry, mainly Kyle Lowry, came in and offered that extra boost offensively. Kyle Lowry in the pick and roll was snaking them screens, getting to the mid-range, coming off of them for wide open threes. So Celtics' point of attack defense getting over the screens with Lowry was really poor, in my opinion, in the second quarter, in the beginning of it. And Time Lord was not stepping up at all. The one thing they didn't want to do was they didn't want to put smaller guards onto Bam, but there were a couple times where it was Tatum guarding Lowry, Time Lord was getting put in the pick and roll, and I don't think he even knew what he was doing. He wasn't stepping up or anything. Lowry was walking into threes, and that's when I knew this was going to be a tough game because Miami was hitting from the outside. Bam Adebayo was playing pretty active. He hadn't really, really started going yet offensively yet. Jimmy Butler was playing well, and the Celtics just hadn't started clicking. But then, as the second quarter went on, the Celtics found something, and that was with a certain lineup of... And by the way, Caleb Martin, really solid impact yet again. Um, and the Heat also went to a zone that was causing some issues for the Celtics. And it wasn't just a 2-3 zone. Sometimes a little 3-2, just some weird matchup zones. And you know, Jimmy, uh, I'm sorry, Eric Spolstra is a coach that likes to utilize zones more than most coaches in the NBA. And it was really funny watching it. I always insult the modern NBA for not putting a big man or anybody in the middle of the zone in the high post area where you break them apart. That's what you're taught at every youth level. You got to get a guy in the high post in the middle of the floor to break a zone down otherwise you're just swinging the ball in the perimeter 
And when the Celtics were swinging the ball fast, they were able to get downhill and crack the seams of that zone and attack those gaps and get to the rim. As I mentioned earlier, the Celtics, one thing I really liked about their offensive approach tonight, especially in the first half, was that they were trying to relentlessly attack the basket. They were trying to go to the paint left and right, whether it be JT, JB, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, all of them were trying to go to the rim. And they were doing a great job of getting bodies to collapse and kicking it out. Now, in this particular lineup, by the way, and oh, the reason why I mentioned the zone, the Time Lord is wide open in the middle of the floor, and he's not even looking to get the ball. There was one time where he got it. He didn't even look at the basket, didn't even turn around, just kicked it out with nobody on him. Celtics got a decent three. I think he got the offensive rebound and scored. But I remember Marcus Smart telling him at one point and pointing to a spot on the floor, pointing to that foul line area and saying, dude, Basically, I can tell, like, I don't need to hear the conversation. I can see what he's what he's pointing to. He's saying, dude, that middle of the floor is wide open. So when they made a substitution and put in Al Horford, they then had Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon, and that lineup took over the game. Now, Malcolm Brogdon, I thought, was awesome all game long. He was doing such a good job of attacking quickly off the catch. He was playing physical defense, driving and kicking. He was able to score in the in-between game, made two threes in the, in the first half. Just awesome. But that lineup, now you have better switching personnel. Now you don't have Al Horford guarding Jimmy Butler. You then had Al Horford guarding Bam Adebayo, and you had Jason Tatum guarding Jimmy Butler. But also you had Malcolm Brogdon guarding him a lot. I don't understand that. I get he's strong, but Jimmy can still shoot over the top. There were some good defensive possessions for Brogdon, some not so good. His effort was great. It's just a simple fact that he can cannot guard Jimmy Butler one-on-one like that. But when Tatum was on him and you started to see more of that switch everything and just holding their own, Jalen Brown, really good all-game one-on-one defense and point-of-attack defense for me. Physical, fighting over screens, moving his feet well, getting into ball handlers. Love to see it. Rockstar Mel says, JB is a top 15 small forward. I think that is a... If you're talking about all-time, absolutely not. But if you're talking about right now, he's way higher than that. And is he a shooting guard or a small forward? I guess he's just a wing. That guy Spencer says Brown was terrible this game and Tatum to end the game too many miscues. Well, we will get into the end of the game soon enough, but I'm right now still talking about that stretch in the second quarter um, where the Celtics, you know, they pushed the lead up to 10. What they were doing is they were getting stops, getting out in transition, and I was wondering in the first half, why do they keep putting Bam in the pick and roll when he's such a great defender? instead of some of these other smaller guards or guys on Miami who can't necessarily guard. And finally, towards the end of the second quarter, you started to see them put Max Struess in the pick and roll. And Max Struess, he's not going to switch on to certain guys. He was actually at times in the second half, but there were times where he's hedging and recovering, and the Celtics are able to get four-on-three situations. Marcus Smart was making all sorts of crazy passes in the first half, cross-court, pick-and-roll to cutters. I remember there was one time Jalen Brown cut back door, and he found him on a nice bullet one-handed pass. There was another nice pocket pass, passes in the pick-and-roll, and then nice passes in transition. There was one right-handed dime off the bounds to a cutting Malcolm Brogdon. And one thing I want to say, and this just goes for every team, when guys are in transition and there's multiple people running to the three-point line instead of filling the lane, it's so much easier when the pass is kicked out for the defense to be able to get back and recover. 
You want to score before the defense gets back. And swinging the ball around at the three-point line when you're on a fast break with numbers, that gives the defense a chance to come back. And oftentimes when you're kicking it out and they are running, running towards the, you know, to pick up their closest man, you'll get a turnover sometimes. So small lapses in concentration were and the Heat hitting the three ball were preventing the Celtics from getting too much separation, but they led at the half 66-57. to 57. And then, oh boy, everything started to change. Rockstar Mel says, Spo gives them confidence. June 28th, July asks, how much experience do the Heat have compared to the Celtics? That's a good question. I would say it's not that drastic of a difference, if any, I think the Celtics players are young, but they have a lot of experience. I'd honestly say the Celtics have a little bit more. Anyway, let's look at the third quarter where everything changed. This is where the game was won for Miami. They outscored the Celtics 46-25. And, you know, you heard Joe Mazzula in the huddle. He said it best. The Heat turned up the intensity. And the Celtics stayed at the same level. Miami came out and shell-shocked them. They were so much more physical, putting so much more pressure on the ball. And guys like Max Struess, guys like Gabe Vincent, these guys were not being pushovers on D. You know what you're going to get from Jimmy. You know Bam in the pick-and-roll is going to be good. And in the second half, you start to see a lot more of Bam Adebayo guarding Tatum and Brown, especially Brown to start possessions. And at times, being okay with switching on to the perimeter, no problem. But the one thing... The Heat weren't trying to do was switch the smaller guards onto the Time Lord because of the offensive glass. But they were okay switching him onto Horford for the most part. And Horford, this playoffs, has not been aggressive going to the basket at all. I think he had five points in the second quarter during that stretch where I was talking about where they went up by 10. And as far as the Celtics switching, they were doing every switch except for putting a guard onto Bam. That was one thing they did not want to concede. They had 40 points in the paint in the first half, Boston. Season high in any half this season. And the Heat had 11 turnovers in the first half. 19 points off of it for Boston. So that's one thing the Heat really cleaned up in the second half. Taking care of the ball. Way more pressure on defense. And Bam out of the bayou got way more aggressive. Way more aggressive. And I said it best. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Sounds very arrogant. But I say this all the time. And I think it's facts. When Bam Adebayo wants to be a 20-point-per-game scorer, the Heat then become a championship contender just off of that. Because I think I had doubts like in, after 2021, is Jimmy Butler capable of being the best part of the championship team? Well, these last two years, the answer seems to be yes. Bam Adebayo is not, has not been ready to me to be the second best part of the championship team because of his lack of scoring. He's one of the best defenders in basketball, but his lack of scoring, you need that in the playoffs. You need him to look at the basket and be aggressive. And when he's playing like this, the sky's the limit for Miami because they're so well coached. They play good defense, and it just seems like their role players are finding this spark in this postseason. They're playing out of their minds. And in the second half, the Celtics started getting stagnant. The Heat were switching a lot more. You started to see them run their offense a lot more through Smart because he was playing so well playmaking in the first half. And Jalen Brown because Gabe Vincent was guarding him. And then a little bit of Brogdon. They weren't going to Tatum as much because he was guarded by Jimmy Butler. But again, you can get a switch off of, you know, to get Jimmy off of Tatum, just give him the ball. Now, part of it's on him. But I thought Miami's point of attack defense was really good. And they had a 9-0 run in the first three minutes to take the lead right away. 
Max Struess and Kevin Love each hit a three, and that was the beginning of what was an all-around masterclass from the Miami Heat in the third. Kevin Love knocking down two threes, rebounding. Bam Adebayo, quick decisions on the catch, whether it's a mismatch or against an opposing big. Rip through and attack. One dribble, jump hook. One, I don't know if he had any turnarounds today, but just hit, taking the mid-range when it was there. He was being aggressive, getting to the line, rolling well. And Jimmy Butler, it all begins with him. The way he's getting that extra attention. If he's able to target whoever he wants one-on-one, -on -one, and in this game, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, he's able to get these matchups. If he's garnering secondary attention, which he was, and kicking it out, and all these other Heat players are making shots, making plays, you're in trouble. And that's what happened with Boston. They weren't able to guard, and now you're playing half-court offense, and when the and I think the biggest thing in this series is going to be pace. When Boston can get stops and get out and run, Miami cannot fuck with them. But when this is a slow, muck-it-up game, you're running a lot of sets, that favors the Heat. Because Eric Spolster is a master tactician. He's really good at adjusting. And the Celtics have a tendency to play stagnant. The Heat, I think they don't aren't stagnant, even though they run a lot of the same offense. It's still a lot of high pick and roll. But the difference is... Spo's play calling is just so creative to me. Like, there's one time, right, in the first half, they have Bam Adebayo having the ball and Duncan Robinson setting a screen because you know you don't want to leave Duncan Robinson open on that pick and pop. So the guy guarding Duncan, unless you want to let Bam get a rim run to the basket, he needs to come hedge a little bit or switch. And if you switch, now you have Bam Adebayo against a smaller guy when he's already going downhill. So there's little shit like that. Like, those are the kind of creative plays that Spo throws in there. And the Celtics, I mean, yeah, they had a lot of, like, these double drag actions in the second half where they had two screens. Tatum was the screener a lot. I think part of that's trying to get him switched onto a different defender. But he just wasn't getting to the ball much. And Miami was doing a great job pushing and Max Strudel, what a third quarter for him. 13 points in the third. And some of the shots the Heat were making, I want to say it's not like the Celtics were just playing awful defense. These guys were making tough shots. Jimmy made a three. Struess made two contested threes. Like, everything was going in. Everything. It was just another one of those games for Miami where it felt like they played perfect. Every quarter but the second, I think Miami played perfectly. I really do. I don't think they can play that much better than that. So obviously, I think Boston's going to win next next game, but it doesn't matter because Miami already got what they came for. They already got that one win. That's all that matters. But Jimmy, you know, on the offensive glass as well, creating second opportunities and obviously getting the double team and the heat. I mean, they were just raining threes, 45 points in the third. After the third quarter, they asked Joe Missoula what they thought the issue was, and he said our offensive intentionality and our defensive intensity. Completely agree with the defensive intensity. As far as the offensive intentionality, he seems to say those words a lot. He's definitely an offense first mind. That's very clear. He has a clear emphasis on wanting to throw up more threes. And the Celtics, you know, they're a team that is, I want to, I don't remember what the stat was, but it was like 38 and two or something crazy when they shoot over 40% from deep. Well, it was very clear. And I was thinking about this, but I just wanted to see the game unfold more. It was very clear that Eric Spolstra's game plan was to run the Celtics off the line, make sure that they don't get hot from three. And the Heat gave the players executed that to a T. They were running them off the line with crazy scrambles, 
big time hustle, good closeouts, and making the Celtics make secondary tertiary decisions, getting run off the line, pulling up from the mid-range, or getting to the rim. And the Celtics were getting to the rim, mind you, but they had to work a little bit harder for those shots. And they were making sure that they weren't just getting that many wide, wide open threes. Miami, on the other hand, they got a lot of wide open threes. And there was even one moment late in the third quarter where Al Horford wasn't paying attention to Max Struess, who was scorching hot, and he was wide open for three. And I was just like, oh, God, doesn't like the Celtics going to win this game. But the C's, in the beginning of the fourth, they came back strong. 7-0 run in the first 94 seconds. So, by the way, the two-big lineup in this game just wasn't working. When Al Horford's shooting one for five from three, and then the time learns like not really an offensive factor, it's going to be hard. Kevin Love was two for three in the game from three. Al Horford one for five. So their stretch big, their stretch four is doing better than the Celtics stretch four. That's not good. But a 7-0 run in the first 94 seconds of the quarter, led by Derek White, Jalen Brown, and Malcolm Brogdon, got the Celtics a little bit of life. Got a shout out Derek White. He was hitting his three ball tonight, and it would be big if he can have a better series. Philly was a struggle for him, but against Atlanta, he was lights out. The thing is, defensively, even though he was the one that was all defensive second team and not Marcus Smart, he is just not as strong as them straight up. And in the playoffs, he will look to get targeted by bigger wings like Jimmy Butler. And look, Derek White was doing okay. There's a couple of times where he just can't do anything. If Jimmy's going to get within 10 feet, he's going to get a clean look off. There was one time where Derek White did such a good job of not biting on a pump fake. And Jimmy still made a turnaround over his like right shoulder or something. Or left shoulder. It was a turnaround. I mean, that's just tough to guard. Still went with Peyton Pritchard in the second half. And by the way, Peyton, I mean, there were a couple of times where he was coming off screens and he could have tried to turn the corner, but he the reason why he wasn't, confidence. Simple as that. Doesn't want to turn the corner, get a little bump, get stuck in the air, maybe turn it over. So confidence is big. I don't understand why you're putting Peyton in those situations. He hasn't been getting consistent minutes. Um, you should probably go with Grant Williams. He's stronger, he's bigger, and... You should try him to see if he can make the three. If he's not making the three, okay, I get it. Pull him out. Sam Hauser even. I don't understand why Peyton Pritchard would be the option to go with. And I like Peyton Pritchard. Um, but three guards, I just ain't it. Ain't it against Miami who, you know, Jimmy likes to play big. And they play bigger guards. So Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, these guys all stepped up. Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, making these extra effort plays. And I have to say, that fourth quarter was intense. There were multiple moments where both sides just hit the floor, going for loose balls. You gotta love it. But in the third quarter, the Heat got first to every loose ball. They were the more aggressive team, and the Celtics had to play a little bit of catch-up. Now in the fourth quarter, Celtics didn't fully adjust. All The only defensive adjustment to me was that Al Horford and the Time Lord, they didn't want the guards to get switched on a BAM, so they were dropping in the pick and roll there. But again, the Heat are still creating good looks with Jimmy Butler at the controls. And when they are switching everything, so Jimmy's like, okay, if they're not going to switch the big onto me, I'm going to go get one of these guards that can't guard me. So he would go get Peyton or Derek White or Brogdon, and he would get double teamed, and then the other guys were making shots. Caleb Martin, Max Struess. Kyle Lowry. Now, as the game closed, Jason Tatum went so many minutes without shooting the ball, without touching the ball. And Stan Van Gundy and Reggie Miller kept calling it out. Why is Jason Tatum not getting the ball? Why is he not getting the ball? It feels like he's always a screener. Whereas on the other side, Jimmy Butler has the ball in his hands. I think it's down to two things. 
One, play calling. Obviously, it seems like they wanted the ball in Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown's hands. Jalen Brown had Gabe Vincent on him a lot of the game, and then Marcus Smart had 11 assists. And mind you, with running the ball through Marcus Smart, he scored 11 points in the third quarter. But other guys were limited a little bit more. So 11 points out of the 25 in the third for the Celtics were by Marcus Smart. So even though Marcus Smart, like especially last season, he was their best true point guard or closest thing to it. But the main reason is because Jason Tatum didn't want to go at Jimmy Butler. But that's still not an excuse because all you got to do is ask for a screen and see if they'll switch Max Struess on you. So I think that's still a lame excuse if you're the Boston Celtics. So Missoula absolutely should take some blame for that. But also Jason Tatum, you are the franchise player. You got to go get the ball. You can't be ducking any smoke. Oh my God, Jason Tatum didn't get a shot off in the fourth. Holy shit. That is embarrassing. Four shots in the second half. I get that he got to the line, but that's unacceptable. So if you want to talk about one reason the Celtics lost, right there. You can't be the franchise player and you're shooting zero shots in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? Jalen Brown shot way more. Way more. Look at his shot chart. So many shots. And by the way, Jalen, 0 for 4 from 3 in the fourth. 3 for 3 from 2 in the fourth. So very interesting, but that's unacceptable from Tatum. And so the game's coming down to the wire, right? The Celtics seem to be right back in it. Tatum gets the ball, gets the, the switch that he wants with Max Strudel guarding him. Can't get by him, way too much dribbling. Struess plays really good defense, and Jason Tatum throws the ball away to Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's defense in the passing lanes was just incredible. And then Jason Tatum got by Struess. Struess did get away with a hand check. He had his hand on his hip, and it caused Jason Tatum to lose a little bit of balance. And he traveled. Then the next play, when the ball was kicked out to him, he had an up-and-down travel. Three turnovers in the last three minutes of the game for Tatum, whereas Jimmy Butler made a dagger three to put the heat up by 10, and that was all she wrote. The Miami Heat, led by Jimmy G. Buckets, the G stands for Gets, and the amazing performance of the supporting cast, the amazing performance by Coach Spo, and the Celtics just not playing as well. What a game for the Heat. They totally turned it up. They stole home court advantage, 123-116. to 116. And again, the Celtics, they're their own worst enemies. They have the power to beat anybody. But when they get a little bit complacent, they don't play hard for four quarters, they pay the price. And they paid it in that third quarter. They did not, I don't think they expected that. I feel like they thought they had figured it out. And were like, all right, we're chilling. We got past that initial wave. We'll be good. It's not what happened. And against this Miami Heat team with Eric Spolstra, you have to play well for four quarters. Rockstar Mel says they ain't used Malcolm enough in the fourth. I don't know about that, bro. I think Malcolm Brogdon got the ball plenty. He got an and one at one point of the fourth. I'm not sure. Let me look at his shot chart in the fourth quarter. Three shots. You might be right. But it didn't feel like Jason Tatum was initiating too much in the fourth. However, at the end, he didn't do himself any favors. But the Heat win it 123-116 to to take a 1-0 lead and steal home court advantage. Zach Mame, a good friend, is a Heat fan, says Jimmy is my savior. June 28th, July says Celtics please choke. Kobe fan 124 says Jimmy looked like a Kawhi-LeBron hybrid tonight offensively. Dude is amazing. Nick Pillow says no one wanted smoke with Jimmy. Back-to-back travels by Tatum were crazy at the end. And June 28th, July says Nuggets Heat finals would have two good guys. Wishful thinking, but we'll see. 
As far as team stats, the turnovers, the Celtics ended with 15 turnovers. The Heat also with 15, but mind you, the Heat only, I'm sorry, they had 11 at halftime. So they only turned the ball over four times second half. That was massive. So the Celtics, evening it out, they got careless with the ball and only outscored the Heat by three in fast break points. So that was big. Points in the paint, Celtics outscored the Heat by 22. 22. And they outscored them by seven at the foul line. The main difference was that the, the Heat hit six more threes than the Celtics. So the Heat shot 54% from the field. The Celtics shot well from the field, 52%. So both teams shooting well. But the Celtics shot 34.5% from three, which is very average on the you know lower half of average. Heat, 16 for 31. So not only did they shoot two more threes than the, the Celtics, they made 51.6% of those threes. So that's not going to continue. But granted, I've been saying that all postseason, and they seem to have like two or three games where they do hit everything from deep. But if you're the Celtics, expect to see them shoot more threes next game. However, I still don't think like if there are not good threes there, don't take them. I don't think you should just shoot threes for the fuck of it. You got to take what the defense gives you, and I think that's what they were doing. I just think that third quarter was so poor, and you got to have Tatum controlling more. You got And you got to attack their, not Bam Adebayo in the pick and roll. Attack Struess. Attack Vincent. You got to go at these guys. You got to. It's not enough. So I'm actually going to save it to the end, but. Free throws, 15 out of 19 for Miami, that's 79%. The Celtics shot 76%, but 22 for 29 from the foul line. And two free throws missed by Marcus Smart in the second half. Two free throws missed by Malcolm Brogdon in the second half. You need to make your free throws. Because it would have made a difference late. But anyway, let's look at the lines for the Heat. Cody Zeller only played nine minutes. I think he's so useless. I mean, he comes out and, like, he drops in the screens, but offensively and defensively he does nothing. He had a donut, 0 for 2, minus 6. Um, just gives him some relief minutes so they don't have to put Kevin Love at the 5. Duncan Robinson, only seven minutes, a donut, 0 for 2, nothing there. Um, but the other guys, Kevin Love, 16 minutes, 8 points and 6 boards on 3 for 4 shooting and 2 for 3 from deep. Look, Kevin Love's not going to get that many minutes, but he was not a liability defensively. They got to put him in the action more as well, by the way. And he made two big threes in the third quarter. I thought he had a really good stretch there, and it was part of that huge stretch that put the heat up and won him the game, really. So I think it was a good game for Kevin Love. Six Heat players with 15-plus points. Six of them. So talk about all-around contributions. That's exactly what you're going to need, and if you're the Celtics, cannot afford. Caleb Martin. 30 minutes played, continues to be so consistent, such a workhorse on defense. He was having a little bit of a tougher time with Jalen Brown tonight, but he's just such a good body to throw out there. He's athletic, good finisher, 15 points, two steals, four rebounds, three assists, also a block on six for 11 shooting and three for seven from three. So Caleb Martin continues to have such a spectacular postseason. How about Kyle Lowry? It was mostly the first half with him, but such a solid game for him again. 15 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block. They said before the game that Kyle Lowry leads the Miami Heat in blocks in the postseason, which is just insane and a testament to how well he has played defensively in these po- in these playoffs. 6 for 12 for him from the field, 50%, and 3 for 5 from 3, 60% from 3. What a performance by Lowry. 
As far as the starters, Gabe Vincent, solid game for him. Did not get abused defensively. But again, I was watching it from a Celtics perspective, so maybe he was worse than I thought. But in terms of big shots, he was huge. 15 points, 4 for 6 from the field, and 3 for 5 from 3, and 4 of 4 from the line. So 66-60-100 game for Gabe Vincent. Huge. And then Max Toaster Strudel. He was hot as toast, burnt toast, but in a good way. 15 points, 6 for 10 from the field, and 3 for 5 from 3, so 60% both from the field and from 3. What a performance by Struess. Absolutely massive. And then the duo, Bam Adebayo. Target score for him, PPG, 20 points. Got it tonight. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. So much more aggressive. That third quarter was really big for him. And I love it because he actually has somewhat of a bag. He just doesn't act like he does. He has a good rip through. He has decent patience. He has decent touch around the basket. He has a decent mid-range. Doesn't go to it enough. 20 points, six board, I'm sorry, 8 boards, 5 assists on 9 for 13 from the field. 2 for 5 from, th- uh, from the foul line, though. So 3 out of the 4 missed free throws were from Bam. But Jimmy Butler, the best player on the floor. And you know what's funny? A lot of series I say whoever's the best player on the floor, his team will win. But I don't believe that's true for this series because I think Jimmy Butler can still be the best player and the Heat lose. But if Jimmy Butler is the best player and they also have the best coach, but the supporting cast plays this well, that's when you have a series. And if Bam Adebayo can outplay Jalen Brown, which he did tonight, then the Heat can win this thing. Jimmy Butler shot 48% from the field, 12 for 25 Two for four from three, including the dagger. Nine for ten from the line. Those ten free throw attempts were the most for any Heat player. 35 points, five rebounds, seven assists, six steals for Jimmy Butler. So doing it on both ends, guarding Jason Tatum. And those steals don't tell you all the possessions that Tatum wanted no part of him. So Jimmy Butler... I mean, what he's doing right now with his creation, with his getting double teams, attacking the right matchups, how well he's playing as games wind down. I would be terrified of this guy right now. Like, he is playing at such a high level. I mean, these last two seasons, if you combine the playoffs and the regular season, you cannot name six players that have been better than this guy. You can't name five. And don't, I hope, I said this last year, and I hope people get on board with it next season. I better not hear Joel Embiid over Butler. Because it's all regular season based. It's all regular season. Give me the guy that's going to do this in the playoffs. Who apparently seeding, I mean, seeding, I guess, doesn't matter for the Heat. I mean, they seem to have that championship pedigree, even though they haven't won a chip with this team. They just have that Heat culture. You know, they have the, the Godfather sitting there. They have Eric Spolstra. They have Udonis Haslam, who's been there through the trenches as a vet mentor on the bench. And Jimmy Butler, I mean, he looks ready, man. He looks fucking ready. But what a performance by him. As for Boston, and, and, and great job by Eric Spolstra. As for Boston, eight-man rotation. Pritchard, I don't think this is a series for him. I don't know what that three-guard lineup was about. Gotta can that. And if you want to can the two bigs, fine. But you don't play three guards. You get Hauser or Grant Williams in there. 12 minutes for Peyton, a donut on 0-for-2 shooting. Both those shots were threes. One was not a very easy one either. He needs If he's going to play, he's got to be more aggressive turning the corner when he's coming off screens because they're there. Derek White, 21 minutes. 11 points, 4 for 6 in the field, and 3 for 5 from 3. If they can get that kind of production from him more frequently in the series, that's going to be great because it was big for him to make shots. But defensively, he can't really guard Butler. As good of a defender as he was, he's better on those smaller, quick guards, not Jimmy, who is going to get into the mid-range and try to get two feet in the paint and also make you work on the glass. That's one thing about Butler. Let me see how many offensive rebounds he got. Three. 
So there you go. And two of them he scored. Malcolm Brogdon. 37 minutes played. So he played a lot. 19 points, just one assist. 7 for 14 from the field. 2 for 4 from 3. My only gripe with Brogdon is the 3 for 5 from the foul line. You need to be at least 4 for 5. And that makes a difference at the end. 50% from the field and from 3. That's great. I love how he was attacking closeouts. But... Yeah, he was fine. Him and Derek White, fine. Starters, the Time Lord. He was good on the glass and offensively, but defensively, nowhere near the impact he normally has. He was not really protecting the rim like that. He only had one block. Um, He was getting drawn out of the paint, and he doesn't do a good enough job in drop coverage to me. He does not step up enough on the screens at all. And one-on-one, he wasn't doing a good job staying with anybody. So I thought he was okay. 14.7 14.7 rebounds on 6 for 6 shooting. He was a minus 14, which is the worst of any Celtic. So expect to see him not start next game. And then Al Horford, you need much more from him. On either end, he wasn't good enough. 7.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 for 8 from the field, and 1 for 5 from 3. You need Horford to make those threes. You really do. Because, I don't know, that pick and pop is always going to be there. How about Marcus Smart, who I thought was actually really good in this game. Maybe you got the ball to him too much second half, but 13 points, 11 dimes, only two turnovers, three for seven from the field, two for four from three. Very solid performance, and his defense was pretty good. Main thing with Marcus Smart, five for eight from the line. You gotta at least hit seven of them. Six for eight is 75%. Let's see what Marcus Smart shoots on the line in the regular season. Oh, never mind. He shoots around 75% as well. So he shot 75%. So you got to make one more of those. You get Brogdon making one more. You get Smart making one more. Makes a difference at the end a little bit. The Jays, Jalen Brown, 22 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, but 6 turnovers. He has bad tunnel vision, Jalen Brown still. He needs to take care of the ball. 10 for 21 is fine efficiency. You'll hope he can make the 3 ball better next game, just 1 for 6. But that's below his average. And six turnovers. So not a good game for Jalen overall to me. Tatum, 30.7 rebounds, only one assist. So that tells you how much less he had the ball. Four turnovers. Three of those came in the last minute. Nine for 17 from the field. Only three three three-point attempts. Only made one, but he was 11 for 11 from the line. My thing with Tatum is this. He has to be more on the ball in the second half. He needs to be better closing out games. Needs to stop overthinking so much and catch the ball deeper late in games. He has to get the ball more in the mid post or at the elbow. He can't just do everything at the top of the key with everybody staring at him. He can't. And he needs to be more aggressive hunting out weaker defenders like Struess and Vincent on pick and roll situations. If they're going to switch, he's got to be aggressive and take them right to the rim. If they're going to hedge and recover, make the right play. But you got to get the ball in Tatum's hands more. But he gets no excuses. He did not play well at the end. You have to close. If he had closed, we would not be having this discussion. So... Jason Tatum, outplayed by Jimmy Butler. Jalen Brown, outplayed by Adebayo. Joe Mazzula, outcoached by Eric Spolstra. And the supporting cast for the Heat came up bigger. Even though the Celtics had a better second quarter, first and fourth, pretty neutral for both teams. Celtics outscored the Heat 25-20 to in the fourth, so they tightened up the defense. But that third quarter was too much to overcome, 46-25. to For the Celtics, the key is going to be to get stops and get out in transition. How do they do that? Probably by going with the one big lineup, switching, but do not switch your smallest guard. If it's not Marcus Smart, you cannot switch White and Brogdon onto Jimmy Butler. You have Jason Tatum guard Butler or Smart guard him, and then you switch the other guys. And listen to this, in my opinion as well. If you are going to 
switch everything on Jimmy Butler and make him go one-on-one, then make him go one-on-one. Stop overhelping so much. Because if you're going to do that, then he's still going to get, he's going to pick who he wants to guard, who, who he wants to guard him. He's going to score one-on-one. And then if you double him, he's going to get other guys involved. If you want to let him make, you, if you want to make somebody else beat you, blitz him every time he touches it so he gets in no rhythm this mix of him shooting and getting other guys open shots that cannot work Missoula got outdone heat's plan run them off the line put uh the smaller guards in the action and it worked to perfection and you can see them going into zone a little bit you just have the experience with spo Missoula putting in pritchard not going to tatum enough late it's just it's 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 he got out coached tonight point blank if you're the Celtics what adjustments I would start Horford I would put White back in the starting lineup and have him guard Gabe Vincent have Marcus Smart guard Jimmy Butler and then you switch everything except even Horford on Butler I'm fine with it but you do not switch White onto Adebayo or or Jimmy that's the main thing so then you have the spacing and then you have the versatility defensively you stagger Horford in the time lord you put Kevin Love in the action a lot more when he's in, especially if he's at the five, and Zeller, and you also have to run through Jason Tatum more in the second half. But other than that, let's see. We, it all comes down to focus and attention to detail for four quarters of Boston because if they do, they'll beat anybody. We'll see how they do. And you know what point of emphasis is going to be to shoot more threes? You got to shoot the ones that are there. The Heat did a great job closing out, but we'll see. That's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Minute men, minute women, Celtics fans, let me know what you think. If you are listening, and I really hope you are, because I've still gotten no feedback from Boston Celtics fans, except for one of them, actually. My good friend Ryan Mathers, um, who was one of my fam- uh, one of my recruits um, in college. Love that guy. Appreciate you for the feedback, man. Um, any other Celtics fans, my boys listening, please let me know. Or girls. I know there's some Celtics fans, girls, sometimes that listen. So let me know. But the Celtics, I think they'll be fine next game. They just got to win it, though. Game three, though, different altogether. Let's see what Missoula does. He made the right adjustments in Philly. Let's see what he does against Miami, a different coach altogether. The St. Glenn Rivers, people. The St. Glenn Rivers. But Jimmy Butler, best player in the series. Advantage Miami, one nothing. Huge win for the Heat. Their role players continue to be sublime. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, peace. One thing I just found out, by the way, um, when I said Al Horford didn't close up to Max Struess at the end of the third quarter, it's a mistake, actually. I looked at the playback. It was Malcolm Brogdon's fault because Al Horford was guarding Zeller, and he knew he wasn't a threat, so he was sitting in the paint. Brogdon closed out to Zeller as if he was a shooter. So that's just a lapse of concentra- concentration from a really good player. So lapses in concentration for Boston, big thing going forward. You've got to stay focused for four quarters. Can't get rattled when the other team makes a run.